You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse, Earful of Dirt is the only podcast dedicated to Major League Rugby. Now, coming to you live from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Aaron Castro, live out of Arizona, joined by Victor in New York. We're missing Dan. I th- maybe I think I dropped him somewhere. I don't know. Uh, Liam Poach from NVU Linden in Vermont. Uh, apparently, it is the frozen tundra for him now. Josh, mm-hmm. um, kicking it in Denver. Uh, meanwhile, um, Corey Munson has finally reached the spring. Um, you know, mild temps. He's in the control room. Hit him up in the comments and on Twitter at Here Full of Dirt so he can just give us live updates to your questions. Um, so, how's, how's everyone's week been? Great. Watch some rugby this weekend. Imagine that. Uh, I just did a whole bunch of schoolwork because I'm approaching finals, and I've run out of I'll do it tomorrow's. <laughs> hey, bro, I, I, know, I know the pain. <laughs> I know how it is, Liam. Yeah, and nah, that's what everyone's been telling me, but still not giving me any less of an anxiety attack. Uh, just like, what, two more weeks until school's over, or three, I think? Two, three, I don't know. I've, I'm just kind of going with the flow at this point until they tell me I can leave. I don't know. There we go. Best Josh, nothing for you, man. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You took a haircut, by the way. It looks nice. Um, well, uh, now to get self-aggrandizing, um, I competed in an Olympic triathlon yesterday, and Sebastian Keenly, the 2014 Kona champion, uh, he was also in the same wave, except... Unlike him, I did not finish in under two hours. <laughs> <laughs> what was your What was your time, Aaron? So okay, so world class Kona winner who probably coasted the entire time. He completed it in an hour and fifty five minutes. I actually set up ten minute PR with a three thirteen. So eh, I'm all right. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> not probably better than I would have done. So seriously, I would I would say the same thing for me. Um, I'd probably still be running it <laughs> by now. It's like, you know, it took you like a week. <laughs> like Has anybody hours. seen Josh? I think we lost him in the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Just sitting there, all content, like. <laughs> so yeah, so it was a it was a fun race. Uh, you know, um, I guess it's it was it, it didn't go how I wanted it to. Uh, I bonked the swim again, except on this bonk, I improved by three minutes from the last one. Um, I swam an extra 500 meters again. Um, but that's what happens when you have to look at buoys and stuff while you're swimming. And then, uh, you know, cut off six and a half minutes on my run. Um, the one thing, the bet, the thing that felt the best, which was the bike at, I'd I guess that was the real bunk because I only beat my last bike time by like 23 seconds. Mm. Mm. Whatever. So 
For those new to the show, each Monday night, we're right here. We discuss news, rumors, Major League Rugby, United States Professional Rugby Union competition. It's a chance to discuss the issues, hear from the league and team leadership, and check in with our friends across the U.S. rugby season. And, you know, whenever you want to give us a review, we read all five stars out, and sometimes we give away merch. Nick, I'm sorry. It'll be in the mail tomorrow. Um, but this week, what do we got, Victor? So week two of Major League Rugby got underway, guys. And he started first with Austin Elite at Houston at a really high-scoring match. Then followed by Glendale at Seattle in a low-scoring game uh, under wet conditions. Typical Pacific Northwest. And then finally, that ended uh, with Utah Warriors at San Diego Legion in a very exciting match where neither team gave an inch. It was probably the most exciting match of the whole weekend, in my opinion, and we'll talk about it more in detail. And besides that, we're going to be talking about some last-minute player signings, some hot takes, some controversial calls, some questions, and more in the usual. So you'll see how that goes. So with all that said, guys, let us get started. So I guess we'll... This isn't the defense optional. It became the defense optional when the other game I was going to call the defense optional game ended up being like all defense in the second half. So, but Houston over Austin and 88 points was scored in this game. Um, I don't know if that's exciting or if that's dis- disappointing, kind of a combo of the both. <laughs> Yeah, I I enjoyed it anyway. It was really really high scoring match. Definitely what we were looking for for Major League Rugby, at least for me. I think uh, so. Couple of things. Uh, Houston's defense did not improve, but their offense picked up. Um, you know, Sam Windsor had another great game. Uh, Sam like freaking whew, twenty points, man. Mm-hmm. Twenty mm-hmm. points this weekend by him. Uh, six or seven from the T on conversions, a penalty, and a try. That's that's some pretty awesome work by him. But uh, like Houston's tackling efficiency just wasn't there, man. That's it, it's not there in the way that it should be, especially uh, when considering that you have people like you know Alex Elkins, Osea Kalinasau, and Joshua Vithi. They're not, they're not small guys. They're not, you know, they're, they're not guys who are unable to use their body weight and like, and, you know, and their physical stature to bring other runners down. But it just, it's gotten to the point where they're com- having to commit so many people to bringing a single runner down. You're just going to leave those gaps open. And that's when you get, you know, absolutely burned. Which and shout outs. Get, yeah. No, I was going to say, guys, real quick. Shout outs to Alex Elkins for taking three players down in a tackle. That was. Oh, that's... yeah. That guy. We it up. wasn't in a tackle. It was like clearing him out of the ruck, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or something like that. It, 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 was, like, it, 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 it was a tackle. Ruck. It was. It was. It was intense. But um, but you look at it, and you know, for for Austin, definitely, obviously, their defense isn't there, right? Because they give up more points than they did last week. For for both teams, offenses have improved, uh, and um, for both teams. If you take just go by standard attack, I I want to say both are still relying on too many periods of individual brilliance, if if that makes sense. Like so, Joey Yosefa. Um, Joey Yosefa. 
right? Yeah, former yeah. from the Patriots Nation. One, one touch, one try. Uh, Henko Hamishais, who, whom is like gonna be an amazing player. This guy can end up with 75, 80 caps in his career. Maybe he might be. That's you know, he could, he could be. He could be a centurion because he is young. Be the first U.S. centurion. He has, you know, he really doesn't have injury issues for the most part. He's, I mean, he's only 21 years old. So if he plays with the way we're going right now when it comes to tests, um, you know, he could, he could be at 100 in, in 10 years. And it's definitely <laughs> worth mentioning that he has that pedigree uh, from his father, who was a uh, Cap Springbok as well. That wasn't you know, his. His dad isn't Cap Springbok. Hey, was he? So, was, was he not? No, he just, has, he just has to avoid Ben Landry, and he's all good. So he's he's got like, I for I need to know who it is, but he's his dad wasn't a Cap Springbok, but his dad was a very accomplished amateur player in um, South Africa. Oh, right, no, that's right. Looking at my but notes. the last name Hammerscheiss, there are several cousins and uncles who have been capped. So I mean. There are there's a lot of people in that fa- in that bloodline, um, you know, that are of Springbok pedigree. So this guy has had it from his father. This guy has had it from cousins, uncles. Like it's it's a the the pet the the stock he comes from is impressive, right? Um, f- f- the big part for me is I wanted to see. Uh, get, I guess the thing we saw with Houston over San Diego was their ability to pick themselves up and put the pedal to the metal, which they did. I mean, 50 points is 50 points, right? Yeah. The, Austin is still not putting it together. Um, they're, they're getting close, but they're still not putting it together. No, and it's kind of like you said, you know, they're relying on individual moments of brilliance as opposed to like a full cohesive game plan. Um, like, as I mentioned in my article just after the game, Houston, it, they seem to com- be committing a lot more people to that first level of defense as opposed to having any kind of support in the back. So once Austin got past that first level of defense, uh, the Sabercats didn't really have a whole lot of support there to actually stop them. So, like, you just had those huge runs by, by people like Hammerstice that kind of, you know, aided in the score being what it was. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. And by the way, guys, the score was 50 to 38 for the listeners. Yeah. I completely, completely forgot to mention that. And by the way, 13 tries were scored at this game. 13. And by the way, guys, Sione Fafanka could have been man of the match for the elite. But let us not forget the contributions by fly half Timothy Gujiming because that kid did some good things, especially that, that kick that he set up for for Hanko to score. Beautiful. When it comes when it comes to fly halves, I thought from from this match, as far as individual performances, I really the choice between Windsor and Guillemon were Oh come on, of course. Windsor. It, it was well, it was Windsor, but when for for the weekend it was like it was pretty it was clear, but they were far and away a cut above everyone else this weekend. Mm-hmm. But seriously, that um, Joey yourself a try. Yeah, kudos to him. Again, first time he touches the ball, first time he scores. That was he, really cool. 
He's going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially inside the 22. That guy can bring some people on top of him on his way to the dry zone. So you take him and you take Paul Lasique. So start one of them and then the other one sits the whole second half because then you've got a, a wrecking ball at 12 for the Eagles for 40 minutes straight. Like it will be, it will be interesting. <laughs> so, um, I, I liked America, America's rugby pods tweet. And like, it's the, the let them fight gift from Godzilla. <laughs> I like that one. Let them fight. Let them fight. That, that collision when Utah and Houston, mm-hmm. Houston play, that's going to be, that's going to be yummy. That's right. <laughs> But um, moving on to Glendale over Seattle, this one was this one was interesting. So three suspensions. Well, no, the suspensions. So the two suspensions rendered, uh, you know, on Glendale shows that they sort of have depth issues. Uh, then John Quill uh, comes up unavailable. He ends up being, I guess, sick as a dog or something like it was not fun. So then Zach Finelio moves on from, from the hooker position to start at six. And, you know, the old man shows that he's still a really dynamic player. But, you know, like, kind of like you said, old man, like that's not going to be a sustainable model, you know, moving forward, especially if they keep on, you know, losing guys to uh, like, like, there's going to be an injury at some point down the road. And like, Glendale's problem is: Are they going to be able to adapt to that later in the season when more when uh, when the other teams are getting more experienced and they're getting a little bit more beat up? What's concerned me about that specifically, like the depth of their program, because you looked at them last, uh, how the program is built, you would say that you know they're going to be the deepest team in the MLR because they have three full men's sides with the you know with Raptors professional and then um, what was it the Raptors D two and D three. And this year you have the Merlins D1 and the Merlins D2 teams. But if you if anyone's paid attention to, you know, D1 club rugby this year, the Merlins went into uh, the Red River Conference and did not really have a good time. Let's, let's look at this match, though. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about MLR, weren't we? Yeah, I think we were. So, yeah, technically. Um. Finolio does a really good job at six. Uh, like, you know, like it's it was it was pretty it was pretty impressive really to see what he was able to do. Uh, put the ball down and chase it down and set it um, touched it down for a try, uh, which that one could have been the thing that you know was the catalyst for the victory. But really, this was all defense. Mm-hmm. That's right. Especially with those horrible wet conditions again in oh, yeah. the Pacific Northwest. But I mean, overall, guys, this was a cracker of a game because it was the team that made the less errors because obviously I'm sure that ball was like a bar of soap after it started raining in the second half was going to take the win. So it's it's what it is. So, you know, the, the players of of English or British stock were probably in their elements. Like, oh, my, it's just like back home in the Bridge Isles. But I mean, they just they, the Raptors just barely passed the Sea Wolves, and it was mostly really because of Will Will McGee, and his boot is the one is the thing that really got them 
into into a winning score. So, oh, I mean, of course, kind of forget about the tries by um, Saifanoyo and, um, and Harley Davidson, but it was really McGee that. Well, kept I the, the I, game I don't in. know. Will Will did not have a good game. Um, the the two he missed kicks, of course. Will Will did not have a good game. Um, I mean, the conditions of that game definitely are going to be a factor in that. Oh, so 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 two people that you know that were really important last week that really didn't have good games were Will McGee. Uh, I I don't think he had that good of a game. He had a good enough. He had a good enough of a game, right? (laughs) Yeah. But the person who's pissed, I know, is pissed off. Um, because I was told he was pissed off, is Phil Mack. Um, Phil Mack was an animal last week and just, I don't know what it was. He just didn't have it. He, he, was, slu- he was sluggish this week, and I think that really contributed to like the, the end result. Is I, I felt like as a whole, this whole Seattle squad just was kind of like moving through jello, uh, like, like, you know, t- towards the second half when you just felt like a comeback was just one or two phases away, but kind of, you know, Every time it seemed like you know, like a like a score was imminent, something that would just kind of fall off with them, whether it be a handling penalty or just I don't know some sort of weird turnover. But yeah, I, like I said, it never felt like it was Seattle's game that they were losing, but it never felt like they were actually going to come back at certain points. But the commentator said there was like <laughs> Phil Mack playing slow ball, and I'm like, he wasn't playing slow ball as much as he was slow. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, and like that—that's kind of what I observed. I just didn't feel like I felt like he was moving at an odd pace. You know, that's how everybody feels when they're watching something on TV. It's run faster, but you know, it—it was—it was that feeling, I guess you can say. There's a lot of so you look at this game and the way it started to play out. I thought Seattle was going to going to be able to take care of business um, with their scrummaging because they were winning at the point of attack. Um, pretty much until Tim Metcher came off and John Hayden went in. And I think that was a significant um, drop-off in performance. That was a bit unexpected because John Hayden is, before this point, is a really good prop. And then it just sort of, the you know, the platform sort of collapsed for them in the second half. I, I want to go back and see how many scrums Seattle actually won because I think I think Glendale realized how good their scrum is and played quick ball. Well, with – I mean, I looked at – like watching the game, I don't remember – I don't remember Glendale losing a scrum, but they get they lost ground pretty much every scrum until uh, Metro came off. And I think that also shows like the talent of – the talent in coaching of – you know, of the Raptors that they know that they're not going to dominate the point of attack there, but they're still going to get the ball. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they know what they have to do to get the ball back to Davies so he can pass it out. At least guess we can say there was no penalty try Fallen Kingdom movie. <laughs> <laughs> so at least, hey, at least they did that. But as far as I'm aware, penalties try is still in the lead for the golden boot. Although Harley Davidson is right there. like like try of the year it's got to be penalty try seriously i'm gonna get my penalty try jersey you know Mm -hmm. custom made yeah seriously we we seriously have to consider that guys to put it in in the shows in the shows um a gift shop just putting a penalty try the motion picture jersey (laughs) we need to find who can design that for us we really need this 
Invictus 2 penalty try. Uh, so, seriously. Looking at other individual performances, uh, specifically for, for Glendale, looking at how they played, is Maximo Deashevall and Harley Davidson, which we, we've already mentioned. You know, people have said, hey, Harley Davidson's too small for this level. He's only a sevens guy. But I think we've he's shown that he is physical and he's got the pace and the footwork to evade and score, which he scored in this match. And, you know, no, he just needs the hands. Yeah, there's there's that there's that significant piece of his game that needs to get some work. <laughs> yeah, but, but I mean, if you saw the try that he scored against Seattle, he had he had a really good spatial awareness. He got the ball out on the outside, and he was kind of able to you know finagle himself right in there into the corner and actually put it down. He's I mean he he's an intelligent rugby player. Oh yeah, and then um, one of the other guys that I really liked uh, for. Man, well, this weekend I liked a lot of the uh, Seattle players, but uh, Billy told. Oh, man, I fucked this up earlier. Tolu Tau and uh, William Rosaleka. Those two had some intense performances. Like in the midfield, Rosaleka just said what was up. It was kind of funny to to see that Chad London did not have a good time. Seriously. <laughs> mm. <laughs> And let me ask you: Does Vili's afro give him like superpowers or something? Because seriously, that, like, I wish I had his hair. That is God dang it! That, is. Like, that brother, that, that brother's not getting no concussions because I mean, as soon as he's <laughs> no, really think about it. When he's his head slams into the ground, the afro just absorbs the blow. I mean, it's, it's like it's, it's, it's incredible, really. Well, Niua used to not wear. A- wear a scrum cap and like i think his game was so much cooler when he ran around with his throw out because it was just you know it was great i i like the look you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but right. um like uh, as far as sevens were concerned billy billy earned his spot last week when he had to come in uh early instead of coming off the bench late and then uh this week he just let it be known was you know is not going to be a fun time for uh, the other guy. So, mm-hmm. okay. So, shall we move to the third game? So, so this one. So, this is where I thought defense wasn't going to exist because San Diego defeats Utah thirty-one to twenty-four. But we're going to talk about that. Uh, but San Diego went up twelve to zero, like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I was first nine minutes. Seriously, yeah, yeah first nine minutes. And you know, for a moment, I thought there was going to be a hundred points scored in this game because there was no defense being played very early. Mm-hmm. No. And then you just came back out of nowhere and scored uh, four, uh, 14 points of their own. So it was like the first ten minutes were all San Diego, and then a little bit later it was all Utah. It's, well, it's because like we we know both of these teams have people who can carry the ball, which is you know we, we saw in both of their preseasons and both of their uh, you know and in, in San Diego's debut game last week. You know, with, with Utah, you have people like Paul Lasique. Is is that is that how you pronounce it, Lasique? Yeah. 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 Paul, yeah, you, Paul, Paul Lasique, um, 
uh, is it uh, uh, along with John Sullivan, then over with San Diego, obviously Ben Sima, um, Cam Dolan, did, um, who I don't believe Cam Dolan played this week. Did he? Yeah, he did. No, he yeah, did. Oh, no, no, it's Mikey Teo that I'm thinking of just because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he didn't play. Yeah, he was, he was yeah. Out. yeah but, but Mikey Teo is another name you have to consider. But with the, if these, if these people you know who can do great things with the ball in space, but you're not exactly, uh, you know, associating their name with being a great defenseman. Good points. But, um, so two players that I guess were rumored to go to Glasgow um, played in this game. Uh, from what I understand, both Salsi and Tavita Tamalau were in talks with the Utah Warriors. Uh, but at some point in February, uh, CC ended up just stopped talking to the Warriors, and I guess he started talking to – the Legion, and this is what we have. Cousins playing for different teams. Mm-hmm. After a season playing together in Narbonne. So, um, it was it was good to see the like these guys, uh, you know, playing high-level rugby here, and I think their presence will, you know, be a great addition to these teams. But, uh, you know, when people talk about the additions to – San Diego, we're sort of wondering, uh, you know, what they have up front that is going to be the, I guess, the kryptonite, you know. Can, can COC not look like he's going to kill himself in the scrum? <laughs> this, I don't know, man. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Uh, and by the way, maybe. There was that one scrum where he dropped his head to the ground. And like, it, was, doing? it was really weird. I, I, I don't really know what's going on there. I'm, I'm between Siosi and, and, and Tevita slash David. Who do you guys think play better? Um, Siosi. Siosi. Yeah, yeah I, I, agree. I agree. He had more time. I, I don't know what was up with Tamalau. I think, you know, Tamalau is used to playing, like, a lot more. Yeah, and, exactly, because when he was down in, with Narbonne down in Pro D2, he was playing a lot more than, yeah, than Mahoney. He, so he was usually starting at eight or starting at lock and mm-hmm. sort right, of – you know, it, he was had some of the most minutes of an American player this year. Exactly, that and brother too. Uh, between him and Eric Fry, between the two of them, to play the most, and brother two of the Americans. Um, yeah, yeah. So that was, I mean, that was. So really, at the end of the day, like their season, like CC's and Tavita's season, when MLR is finally over, will have been very long. Seriously, so, almost like a year. So. Um, controversy. Yes, please, guys. Let's talk about that. Ooh, this is my favorite part I've been looking forward to. Con- so, controversy is definitely afoot. In the cut. <laughs> can we, hold on. So, before we get going, can we agree like to call Josh, this, like can we agree to call this Trigate? Because we know if something is a controversy, it has to have gate at the end. Otherwise, as, as, it's as not a suffix. controversy. Exactly. Yeah. So, unless it has a suffix gate. <laughs> Trigate. I like it. So I, we I, got, couldn't, I couldn't think of one. I'm like, but the foot into touch is just too, too long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Foot touch yeah. gate. Yeah. Blind, <laughs> blind rough gate. Okay, so for for those of you listening that do not know what we're talking about, there was this one particular tried, uh, I think in the 40th for some minutes, I think it was. End of the uh, first by, half. Uh, the, the, exactly, that's right. Thank you, Josh. By Devin, uh, Devin Short. Uh, where there were two players, again, two um, Utah Warrior players, pushing him out uh, to get him into touch. He put the ball down. 
His foot was in touch, but the touch referee did not saw that. He, didn't, he did not set the ball down in. Yeah, he did. He hit the pylon. They are. He hit the yeah. pylon. I well, yeah, I know what I know what Chris Asmus. I know what they are. I know what Chris Asmus said. All right. Sure, I know you Chris. I'm sorry. I, I I respect you as the top ranked. Yeah, we talked about uh, that last week. <laughs> we top ranked ref in North America, but you missed this one. Yeah. All right. Absolutely. It's okay. Yeah, we're we're human. It's okay. We're human. We, we make human. mistakes. Yeah. His it's foot okay. was out, and he, he hit the pylon before he set the ball down. That, that's exactly right. And again, if we had a television match official, this would have not happened. It, mm-hmm. it's, it, I just, I'm just gonna say it. I'm just gonna say it. Was it was the MLR? It wouldn't happen. So, what, was it purely just a money issue that MLR, you know, wasn't able to invest in, you know, TMOs for every game? I don't know. Well, hold, hold on. Let's, 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 let's go back. To, let's go. Let's go back to the TMO thing. Would they have actually had the angle to catch that? Because we hit, we had somebody else take that photo. It what didn't come from the MLR broadcast. Um, I mean, it, so what comes with TMO, you are required to have a lot more live camera angles um, in order to assess certain things. So I don't know. I think they're running five camera productions, maybe seven. But I think you need... I think it's like a 10-camera production. I need to look. I, I'm not sure. Don't quote me. I think it's like a 10-camera production uh, run and some other like small cameras, like how in the NFL you have uh, pylon cameras and stuff like that uh, mm-hmm. that go into running TMO stuff. But let me ask, doesn't it Infinity Park have TMO uh, capabilities? Yes. Technically, yes. And mm-hmm. so, do- so does... Science. Um, Starfire. So, oh, Starfire. Okay. No, the, the the TMO has nothing to do with a replay screen. By the way, um, because well, the yeah, television. Well, yeah, so, but, I'm, but I'm assuming you know, considering Starfire houses a set, like uh, professional soccer team. Well, yeah, so Starfire used to used to house um the whatever the Sounders call their yeah. Mm-hmm. Their yes, yeah, Seattle Sounders too. That's what it's called. Yeah, but they yeah Sounders too, which they don't play there anymore because they have their own facility that they built. But um, I don't did the stupid lines of the field in Starfighter already, dude. I I, because they 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 have like a like a developmental team that plays there. Okay, well that no, every all the Sounders stuff moved to the new facility. But there's like a second. There's a second team that plays there. Uh, Well, that makes sense. There's a why you have to have those lines there. Um. They can use green washable paint and then use white washable paint for the rugby lines. So I, mm-hmm. that, there's a solution that they can come up with that would work. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far like so TMO, it requires a fourth official that is only for TMO. From what I understand, we have the number of officials. We could we have three different TMO trained guys that could be sitting in the booth to do this. There is a definite cost basis uh, that was adjudicated and said, "Hey, we're I, we're just gonna go." That's my guess. I don't know. I know it was gonna be more. It cost money. Yeah. Okay. That that would kind of agree. Seriously. My goodness. By the way, um, uh, again, another shout out. Shout out to um Ryan Matias and that beautiful try that he scored. 
after uh, Tash Leader kicked that uh, the kick ahead. That was also really nice. Um, just to make another point, you know, on the whole, you know, Trigate, like, you know, scenario, uh, people can't forget that there was, uh, San Diego was playing with advantage at that point. So even if, you know, the referee had made the correct call and he was called, you know, and he was called back, there's a, still a fairly good chance that San Diego was going to be able to get, like, get over the try line with all the, uh, with the momentum that they had and the players that they had, especially. Mm. So it would have happened anyway, in other words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. They were playing. And it would it would take it would have taken more time off the clock. You know, yeah, that's you, Kurt, Kurt Morath had already missed two conversions at that point in the game. So mm. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I uh, think we're done with that one, right? So, um, looking into some individuals that played really well. Um, Nate Augsburger. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I've previously am a critic of, like, his style of play. Made but, it very clear on this podcast. But his style of play worked in this match. Um, Ooh, his okay. athletic abilities led to, you know, so many quick carries off the ruck. And, you know, pu- the tempo was dictated against Utah, which put them on the back foot most of the game. And, you know, he scored a try as he often seems to do in almost every match that he plays. So, so Aaron, has he redeemed himself in your eyes? Has At least in this match. Has well, he I mean, redeemed himself? Yes, yeah, he should never, in your eyes. He shouldn't, have, he shouldn't have ever lost face, like, you know, in your eyes. I just, yeah, you know, I'm not a fan of his style. I mean, style. I mean we always put Nate uh, under Sean, so has he redeemed himself a little bit? Core competencies of a scrum half. Still need some work on this uh, on this match, but at what he his abilities to win a game, he can he can do some things out there. Like within his skill set, I understand why he's gotten so many starts at nine. Okay, just that, win, that, baby. That because yeah. winning matters, right? So yeah, of course, I, I don't. He, he played well. I, I he he was one of the best players on the pitch last yeah. night. So I, I really. I think with the the environment that he's going to be in, the core competencies of a scrum half are going to improve significantly for him because he's just not going to have to work a nine to five um, mm-hmm. for the most part from what I can see so far. Exactly. He, he, he doesn't have to work in Columbia University's campus anymore like it was when he was in all the... <laughs> for sure he was one of the generators or something. But, um, then you have, uh, you know, two players that we, we talked about, Devin Short, man. That that guy's going to be special. Yeah. Man. He's only 19 or something like that. Uh, exactly. Let, let's, let, let's talk about it now. Is he, he going to make the, the U20s? Is he going to make the U20s? Because I think he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this environment? Yeah. I think he'll yeah, make really? the, the U20 team. Well, yeah. if there is a U20 team this summer. But, oh, come on. Don't say that. I, hey, you know. USA Rugby and finances, yeah, they they not existing right now. Yeah, I guess. So, um, yeah, I, I think that. And then, um, you know, uh, someone who was like one of the first outs on the, uh, you know, MLR first fifteen for me was Anthony Salabar. Uh, Salabar. He was Salabar. He, Salabar. 
Salad bar. <laughs> salad bar. I just, I just got that right now. Salad bar. That's funny. Salad bar. <laughs> good old salad bar. He had a really good game. As far as um, outside centers are concerned, I want to say that he is one of the most polished, straight out of college outside centers we have. But he mm-hmm. is. He's got a really good game. Um, Canada. He was in the UCAL. Canada. He was in Cal. So. That's a big one. And so I think that about wraps that one up. Beautiful. Unless there's uh, any parting shots from Liam. Nope. Nope, I don't believe so. <laughs> awesome. Killed it in 40 minutes, guys. That was good. So we got our player of the week and the newcomer of the week. Player of the week is the hooker slash occasional flanker from the Glendale Raptors, Zach Finolio. And our newcomer of the week is Joey Yusefa from the Houston Sabre Cats. First touch, first try. Mm-hmm. And make sure to vote on that um, on that poll that we have on Twitter, if you haven't done so already. But probably by the time you listen to this, it will be too late, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, game of the week. What do you guys got? Legion versus Warriors, guys. Hands down. Love the back and forth between those two teams. And I was actually not sure who was going to win. I thought actually it was going to end in a draw and it didn't anyway. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it was awesome. I have to say that, the only thing that messed it up was try it obviously. But again, Liam already mentioned that they had advantage anyway, they would probably score. So that's yeah, what it is. But yeah, again, Leon, Leon warriors. Definitely. I think uh, mine. Hey, by the way, what, how are you guys doing? <laughs> oh, hey, Corey. Sorry, didn't see you there. The puppet master has shown himself. Jump in here. Uh, mine for this week was uh, also uh, Legion versus Warriors. I agree with uh, Victor on this one. I mean, I there was a lot to this game that was just a hot mess. Uh, it was very sloppy. But uh, it also had one of my favorite uh, plays of the weekend, uh, one of my favorite tries, which was uh, Duplessis uh, tapping an erratic kick back to... Uh, Salad, salad bar, bar. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 I ran, ran it in for a try, and I just it was fantastic. I I did a lot of cheering when that happened, uh, even though I wasn't going for either team specifically. I just really enjoyed the play. So yeah, that was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, JP, yeah, JP Duplessis has been doing really good since he came up with the with the Legion. I mean, this is a guy that started in Super Rugby like mm-hmm. a year ago. So yeah, I, Academy, I, I think you said, right? I'm, I'm sort of well, Stormers. Oh, Stormers Academy, excuse me. He's a Stormers guy. So I'm not really, wouldn't say I'm impressed because uh, I'm expecting a lot more based on his pedigree. Last week, I, last week I thought he played really well. He was one of the uh, the bright spots for a really bad game by uh, by the Legion. Um, uh, I, I I do have to ask. There there is the. First thing when you Google him is the article that says he played super rugby, but at the top there's two other guys that were also happen to be in there that also happen to play, or at least part of the academy system. And then there was another JP Duplessis that was at the Singapore Sevens tournament too. So, so which one is it? I, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's the Stormers guy. I okay. Pretty sure it's that guy. Um, I, obviously Duplessis is a uh, very common uh, African last name name so um you know i want to go 
great for the Legion to bounce back. They were selected, you know, by MLR as the team of the week uh, because of the bounce back. But the game of the week for me was just the grudge match of Glendale versus Seattle. Uh, I want to say it was the highest, even though it was a sloppy game because of the, of the weather, I want to say it was the the highest quality match of the weekend. Why was it a grudge match? Why was it a grudge match? You had the upstart Seattle Seawolves going up against, you know, the number one, the number one contender, the, the de facto, well, no, the MRC champion, major rugby championship champion, uh, which was the, the guinea pig <laughs> before MLR, right? So yeah. it was it was a grudge match. Um, they just went after it in the scrum. It was very physical with the back line and how they they fought. And then you know it, it took it took precision for it took precision for Glendale to do what they needed to do based on how. Um, effective up front the Seattle guys were. And then that defense was real, like how they played for both sides. Cause this could have at certain times, Sean Davies just ran that attack for, for Glendale very efficiently. You know, they, they play out of that one, three, three, one at a very fast tempo. And then all of a sudden it would get stopped by Seattle. So um, it again, I thought it was the highest quality match of the weekend, and it was. It, you're sort of seeing, I think, things settle out towards the top. I don't know what the bottom is going to look like at all. Moving on to, unless did, Josh, did you say? What did you think? I I had Glendale Seattle too. It, yeah, it wasn't the highest scoring, but it probably was the best match, um, especially considering the conditions that they worked as hard as they could given the circumstances and it just felt like good old fashioned rugby. So I've got a question for you guys real quick before we move on. If um, Seattle was not able to stop Glendale at home, is there any way it's going to stop Glendale this year? Houston. Yes. Um, um, Nola. Nola's going to be. Yeah. Nola's going to be the first one to beat them. Um, so I think Yes. But um, I was having another conversation today. Like, how will certain teams fare with the regulation nine window? That's a good question. So Houston will be great because they don't have that many Eagles anyway. Houston actually has a lot of Eagles. They just mm-hmm. haven't been active in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. So, I mean, but I think, I think, I mean, Coach Gold, um, hey, interviewing him, I guess, midday, on Thursday, it's not midday in South Africa, but uh, I think Coach Gold is going to have his own flavor when he picks the training squad for June, and it's going to look different. I don't think uh, I don't think there's going to be like nine call ups out of San Diego. If that makes any sense, um, I think that he's wa- they're watching a lot of film and they're going to spread some wealth because the reality is is. You know, players fit better in different systems, and we don't need all of our players coming from two teams, if that makes any sense. So, Liam, what was your favorite match of the week? 
my match of the week would have to definitely go to the uh, San Diego Legion Utah game. Um, it was it was probably a close second to the Glendale Seattle game, but I just felt like the Glendale Seattle game was you know no pun intended kind of stuck in the mud at a, at a few points. It was a lot more kind of ground and pound out in the middle of the field, whereas I kind of liked the you know like the try after try like you know atmosphere of the of the, uh, of the Utah game. You know, and plus that whole controversy that came after it just made it all the better. So yeah, I would I would have to give it to the uh, San Diego versus Utah. Awesome. And going on with the round two predictions review, everyone, let's do it. So this is what um, I ate crow. I think the only person not to eat crow, Victor, was Victor. Oh, cool! I have to hear that did not eat crow. That's not because I, I don't know. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure crow meat is delicious if you cook it just well. I'm sure it could. <laughs> it All right. And tune in know. on Wednesday for Cooking with Crow. With, <laughs> <laughs> that, with John, uh, John Snow, a special guest. There we go. <laughs> he doesn't do anything, <laughs> apparently. And then our, our our guest from last week and now Dan's replacement, uh, Liam, also did not eat crow. Uh, I have yet to taste it. And I do not want to. Although I, I am living in Vermont. That is, I think, you know, a pretty, pretty common dish up here with some of the common folk. Mm, yeah, it's probably really gamey that crow meat. I'm sure. I'm sure you have to get used to it. Yeah, that and Raven. So I gotta say, like my original call on Glendale was Josh and mine. We we were like we we split down the middle, right? So the Glendale won. Um, you know, by four. I had them winning by five, and Josh, you had them winning by three. Not bad. I, I thought I thought it was going to be a last second penalty kick. Pretty sure this is the second week in a row that Josh has gotten lucky in some way, shape, or form with the predictions. Did, yeah, did, yeah, didn't you have Nola beating Houston as well? Yeah. I said by two. Ended up being 11. Yeah. Something like that. So... Um, well, I mean, the best of, of everyone, I think, was Dan. He hit it right on the nose with the San Diego Utah game. Exactly seven points. Yeah, but he had Seattle by six. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. Moving yeah, on, uh, we did as a group. We did better than last week. We yeah. are now, as a group, we are now three and three. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, so moving on to. Uh, Week three, um, for all those that want to know, week three is on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It is yeah. not two games on Saturday and one game on Sunday. So, you know, you get to go right into the weekend real nice with uh, some Thursday night rugby action. Mm, Thursday night rugby. Can't, can't wait to hear that then. <laughs> Dan, Dan, welcome to Thursday night rugby. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. This is Joe Buck because they couldn't stand me in the NFL anymore. <laughs> I can't wait to that a Monday. No, the Monday night rugby. I want to hear that one too. One of the days. Monday, Monday, Monday. So, first match: Nola at Austin. I've got New Orleans gold minus twelve. Josh, what do you got? Are you? Hold on. Got to Got to unmute the mic. I, had, I got Nola minus 15. I'm coming in with a uh, home win for Austin. 
I'm going to say they're uh, they win by seven. Oh, wow. Nice. Okay. 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 All yeah, right. I'll, I'll, I'll go safe, Nola, and I'll go by 12. So I'll say, yeah, 12 is good. I think I'll, I'll like say a converted try and an unconverted try. So it's like that. Oh. Uh, I'm going to go Nola minus 20. Uh, I, don't, I don't think mm. Austin. Yep. Hey, you know what? It, like at this at this point in the season, I think that's a total t- total possibility. I don't think Austin has the defense to uh, completely quell you know this team that you know ended up beating Houston you know to everybody's surprise. So yeah, no, I'm pretty confident. Nola with uh, Nola minus twenty. Hey, it, it it should all be good as long as Austin's bus doesn't break down again. <laughs> yeah, or or no, the, the fire alarm went off in their hotel, like up, up in Glendale. Yeah, that so, was some bullshit. So people have been throwing monkeys into like the engine of of Austin right now. Um, as long as the uh, as long as no one poops on the pitch the day before, we're good since it's at home. Is that a problem where you come from? <laughs> Is that a thing in Arizona? Teenagers <laughs> pooping on the pitch again. <laughs> <laughs> Just gotta keep the dogs off the pitch. <laughs> yeah, that's what I saw. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, Houston at San Diego on Friday. Uh, I think I was originally going to go to this match before the TV schedule got shifted. Uh, so it was going to be on Saturday, but I've got Houston minus ten. I got Houston minus twelve. San Diego minus three. Oof. Defending the fortress, eh? Corey against the tide every time. Yeah, I'm just contrarian this time is, around. Isn't it, isn't it more of a beach castle? <laughs> the sand <laughs> castle. The sand yeah. castle. <laughs> Corey's just craving that ha-ha, fuck you, told you so moment for next week. Yep. <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> Can't wait for that. I got I got Houston by 14, <laughs> so two, two converted tries. Uh, I got Houston minus five. I think Houston breaks a late-game tie at the last minute to win. Okay, then. Let's, let's see right. how that goes. Yeah. And then um, moving to the last game of the week, Glendale at Utah. <laughs> this is going to be interesting because – I really want to see what that back line of Utah can do against the back line of, of Glendale. Not really Bryce, because Bryce hits like a brick, but everyone else, like how they how they feel the next day. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see that, like how Whip, how Whippy and Lasique work against that Glendale back line as well. You know, you got you got you got both guys who are pretty versatile in space, but you got Lasique who can actually absolutely just hammer it up the freaking middle. So, you know, well, that's- so so we've talked about. So we've talked we've talked a lot about collisions of Lasique versus who versus whomever. The collision of Campbell and Lasique's that's going to be interesting because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're 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 both of the relative like same style. They're both just mm-hmm. wrecking balls in the midfield. Yeah, they're they're pretty much flankers, but in as centers. I see them more not like. What they're doing now, they're putting fly halves at center at 12 mostly. Do, do you know what matchup I'm looking forward to? Harley Davidson and Feto Vanicola. Oh, <laughs> wheels on wheels. That's yeah, definitely. So, with this, I went Glendale minus 23. Wow. Dang it. Okay. 
what, what was the I score of the preseason? What was the score of the preseason match? Like forty to nineteen or something like that? Yeah, it was yeah. it was ugly. I went minus I went minus twenty. Glendale. I went minus twenty for Glendale as well. I went Glendale, but I went for team just to you know just to give Utah the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I'm gonna have to go uh you know with the median on this one. I'm gonna go uh Glendale minus twenty. Just for, for the obvious reasons. <laughs> And uh, just as a quick uh, reminder, I'll post these onto our website uh, probably Thursday or Friday before the. Well, see, this is the Friday. No, this is the uh, Saturday match. So yeah, this will be up Thursday or Friday. Um, Thursday. Thursday, so we can get all three of them in. That's right. So, uh, so um, on earfulofdirt.com. Final final match pick: Seattle versus Bye. Bye. <laughs> I mean, the only way the bye week actually wins is if somebody gets like hurt in a training accident or gets a DUI. You know, that's the that that's the only way that the bye week ever actually wins. Which you know. uh, yeah, hey, 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 the Raiders always manage to lose the bye week, though. <laughs> so I am picking Seattle over bye. Then <laughs> <laughs> let, let, let me just go back to the Camel and the CK for a second. Camel is six two two thirty five. The CK is six one two fifty. Ooh, that's a big boy. I mean, that that's a lot of fucking meat in a not that tall of a frame, all things considered, with rugby. All right, goodness, me new hotness. Um, so moving on to player signings, what do we got, Josh? This week we got one, two, three, four, five of them. Marcus Walsh came from Rooney to Austin. Joey Osefa for the SaberCats. Andre Jim Jim Kim Cochleard to Seattle, Tony Lamborn to San Diego, and CLC Mahoney to San Diego as well. So I I haven't asked the question. Maybe I should ask the question. But does everyone else think that Tony Lamborn is on a short contract? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would think so because after this, it's definitely going back to to Hawks Bay. Definitely. Because I mean, think about it. It's play like three games in the MLR, then you have June, like reg nine window, and then minor 10 picks up in July. Mm-hmm. That's so, right. but I, so when does, when does the minor 10 season end? In, I think I don't know, in October, yeah, in October, November. I so it's, it's August, uh, October, November. Just about. Yeah. Um, I think it's the beginning of August because he somehow registered with Chicago lions and, or beginning of October, not August. He somehow registered with Chicago Lions when he took that red card, and uh, you know, somehow. Well, hey, hey, hey! We all know it's the um, SBW. Yeah, it's the, it's the SBW loophole. See, it's the SBW law. So <laughs> okay, hey, so I, so I'm on the Mitre Ten website. So it starts on August 16. When does it? And it ends in October. I'll tell you right now if I manage to find it. Let me see. It ends on uh, the final is October 27. So, yes. Yeah. So, so, I think it's if he doesn't, does he play any other rugby? I'm sorry, I'm not as familiar. Um, I mean, so he had previously been in the hurricane system. He was on the dual contract at one mm-hmm. point. So, a lot That's of right. These, he was with the hurricanes. A lot of these guys are on like dual contracts. So in theory, since he's still with Hawks Bay, he could get. Well, I'm just thinking that if this, if 
the minor 10 is the only movie he's playing. This is to get him into sh- into shape for the June camp. So he doesn't oh, come yeah. in out of shape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think he, he took the short, the contract because he wasn't going to be called up to the hurricanes. So, um, moving on to hot takes by Liam. Hot takes. All right. Well, so, because so usually Dan does the tweet of the week, but since I'm taking his place and this is about me right now, I thought I would do my own thing. So I'm gonna give uh, I'm gonna give you guys some hot takes. I'm just gonna give you stuff that uh, mainly kind of coming out of my ass on this one, but we're gonna see you know what's the validity of this of of this statement. So first hot take is uh, is is kind of concerning the suspensions of Connor Cook and Ben Landry. This hot take is that there will be at least two more suspensions. Uh, before this MLR season is over, uh, you know, consi- considering Cook's, Cook, Cook and Landry's uh, suspensions were definitely the results of, uh, you know, it's like a warning to the rest of the league that we will impose discipline, and I think that's going to continue, especially in this inaugural season. Only two? Um, at least, at least two. You know, at the bare minimum. I don't think this was, you know, just, you know, like an occurrence just to set an example. I think this is going to. So you know, interesting, interesting question on that. Trueville. Was that a red? Because he got a yellow. No, no. It was. There just really wasn't any intention in it, you know. Like he, like he put his shoulder down at, at like you know at the wrong moment. Like the like in the in the ball carrier kind of like you know you know was pushed into it by another one of Trueville's teammates. There just there just really wasn't any malice in it. Like I don't want to you know imply that there was any malice in the like, Landry or Cook's suspensions, but. I like you know it was it was just a di- a different level of 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 violence. I, I don't want again. I don't even want to say violence. It was just a different level of you know of penalty of you know of of an interaction. Yeah. Rugby is rugby is controlled violence. Oh yeah, it is. Or as they it say, is. elegant violence. So the original suspension length for those was six matches. Yeah, but it was reduced at the judicial hearing based on on testimony and intent, I guess, like a contrition. That would have been freaking crazy if it was six games. I wouldn't have agreed with that whatsoever. Yeah, because it's a whole it's a whole league, pretty much. Yeah, they would have what they would have one more game and then playoffs. Well, that would have put them out. That would have put. The, I think that would have put them out of, or at least Landry out of at least the first week of. Of the June Test series against Russia, so, mm-hmm. um, so these are USA Rugby uh, suspensions or just MLR? No suspension. So the way these work, at least in rugby in general, is that the suspensions carry with uh, all the way to the top. So this is where we we ran into the Sonny Bill Williams rule because. People are registered on multiple levels in New Zealand. You're registered for the All Blacks. You're, uh, you're, uh, you're super rugby side, then a minor 10 side, and then an amateur club. Mm-hmm. Which is, I guess, I went so up with in the Harlan Championship. Which is how you get away with BS. So, mm. um, yeah, I... Yeah. It is, it is, so, you the way I figure it is, like, Suspensions need to be served at the level or the level above uh, they were awarded at. So if you get them in the MLR, however many weeks it takes to come up with three fixtures, right? And for Glendale, it happens to be three weeks. Um, 
If you get them at the national team level, though, you have to go down because there's nothing higher than that, right? So you go down to MLR level in which they're served at. You, you can't go from professional to amateur. And like you you just shouldn't be able to play. That's my opinion. Oh, that, that, that ruined my idea because so, uh, when, when does Glendale, when, are the, when is the Red River Conference Friday and Sunday? Yeah, like this week. It was like if you put Landry and Cook on Friday <laughs> and sign them up on Saturday. Yeah, yes. no that that yes. wouldn't be, that wouldn't be fair, especially if you're another Red River team. I would be pretty. Peeled. Well, they're not playing. No, you would just count it towards the uh, <laughs> towards the suspension, which is BS. But whatever. <laughs> next right. hot take. Next hot take is Glendale will go undefeated. That is until their match against NOLA on June th- uh, on June 3rd. So just to let you guys know, Glendale's upcoming opponents uh, next week is at Utah. Uh, week after that is versus San Diego. Then after that, they have a bye. The week after that, they have a bye. Uh, and then after that is their game against NOLA. So two byes and then their game against NOLA. And they get through Utah and San Diego before they taste their first loss of the season. What do you guys think? I think I think that's just plain crazy. You're telling me that they're going to come off two bye weeks and lose, uh, fully rested, fully stiff healed. legs, St- stiff legs. I, I mean, that'll take thirty I, seconds to work out. No, that's it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I think at this point, I'm kind of thinking Glendale's going to run the table. I, I don't see anybody knocking them off. Except for the Sabercats. Except for the Sabercats. <laughs> so, next I'll put in my take. eggs in that one basket. Next hot take. This is a good one, though. All right. Of uh, of the current uh, top four people in the standings, which is Glendale, Seattle, NOLA, and Houston, uh, one of them will not make the playoffs. Who do you guys think it's going to be? Or who do you, or, or, do you, or do you guys think they're all going to make the playoffs? Glendale, definitely. Again, Houston, definitely. I'm, I'm flip-flopping between Seattle and NOLA, but I, I think I, I, may, I may give it to, to Seattle. So I said NOLA. Of those four, probably. So the question, the question I have with Seattle. That would be funny if it's Houston. The, the question I have with Seattle is how many of their players get called up in June? For Canada. For Canada. From, exactly, for Canada. For the USA. Just for because Canada. if it's a lot. Um, they're not making the playoffs. Yeah, Ray Barkwell, right off the bat, it's a huge presence right in the middle of the scrum. Mm-hmm. Barkwell, uh, Mac, who else? No, well, I mean, I, uh, no, I don't think George, George, George Martin. Yeah, I don't think they'll tell Phil. I don't think that Canada will take Phil Mac. I was oh, surprised. He's the starter. Come on. Now. Okay. Have you seen the other nines? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, Gordon McGrory's, and I don't. Who else is besides Gordon McGrory scoring half Canada? That's it. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Like the, exactly. it's literally the only two of them that I know. Exactly. Phil Mac and Gordon McGrory. That's it. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah. I really wonder. Um, and uh, that's it for hot sakes. So, moving on to views, news, and abuse. So, shout out to the Seattle Seawolves. They responded to fan requests, and they made a bunch of changes this weekend. Uh, they brought in more food trucks. They made uh, brought in more beer stations, and they brought in more merch. And uh, more porta potties. Don't forget and that. More, oh, mo- more Johns. More porta Johns. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, which uh, Rugby United New York could have st- stood to uh, do at their during their game against Mystic. 
<laughs> what are you talking about, bro? They got like six. What are you talking about? <laughs> six for two thousand people. Yeah, well, that's uh, true. So you look at look at what they did. I, I was sent a picture, um, or maybe it was posted on Twitter by Tony Rednell. If if I, if if it was him or somebody else, but uh, showed the picture that showed the line for merchandise. Uh, I think ninety minutes before. Uh, the game, it was like 200 deep. <laughs> this is no joke, right? Uh, See, yeah. Seattle might be becoming uh like you know like the next hotbed of rugby, you know, after SoCal, I guess you could um, say. And then you so the topic of the draft keeps coming up. A while ago on the show, we had a pretty in-depth discussion after the uh, San Diego Legion press conference where Dean Howes uh, had to say, like, he was asked if there was going to be a draft, and he said, yes, there would be a draft. What it looks like, we don't really know. And then we discussed what we wanted it to look like, etc. And then it came up again, which was kind of weird, because we I think we discussed it. It was like a 150-comment topic on the on the Reddit boards. People feel really, really strongly, like, you know, you know one way or the other. And um, and Aaron, I think like you know, me and you were even conversing on Reddit that there, I think there is a middle ground. Like you could have something like a college combine in which you know, like you know, or regional combines for the MLR in which every team sends scouts and representatives to kind of you know take take a look at college students and stuff like that. Like you know, we we discussed the option of maybe just like a one or two round draft that you know collegiate athletes who want to declare themselves eligible, you know, for the draft have a chance at making a higher salary, you know. You know, if, if they choose to uh, to go that route, yeah. But uh, I, I think but, so. If we, if there was a draft, just a pure draft for new talent into the MLR, I, I don't think you can go past two rounds. No. Um, and, however, if anyone wants to go back to the podcast I had with Matt Hawkins, it gets very complicated um, because every team is going to have their own academy and you know, some, some of those players are going to want to go to a college that is away from their academy. Right. So some player is going to want to go to Cal and play for Jack Clark. So um, if that player decides to enter, like say there's a hybrid draft, if that player decides to enter the draft instead of returning to San Diego per se, does San Diego get cash compensation for the development of that player through their academy system and stuff like that? There's a lot of moving pieces, but the biggest thing for me is the model has been Cal, right? How many schools are funded like Cal? Four, not many. Lindenwood. Four or five total. Definitely how, not my school. <laughs> how many? How many schools fit that like daily training environment varsity concept model? Eight. And I think for others that, uh, you know, are trying to get there. But for the most part, I would say the top 20 in D1A don't have, like, the funding levels are just variable. And the type of coaching they have is variable. Not everyone has a full-time coach. Not every full-time coach is compensated well. Stuff like that. So there's... It gets complicated because there needs to be significant investment on the collegiate rugby side for a draft to work. So what you're saying, Aaron, is that we're not there yet. Exactly. No, so, and 
And I, and I think a level of consensus was kind of reached that, you know, if there is going to be a draft for the MLR, this is a 2020 and beyond uh, sort of scenario, because I feel like 2018 and 2019 are really just the foundational years in terms of building the infrastructure of the league, the logistics of the league. I think, you know, the draft is going to add a whole other element of, you know, in, into that salad. And right now we're just kind of perfecting the recipe on this one. Into that salad bar? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am and really craving some tomatoes. Tomatoes. All right. <laughs> so, um, not no really co- no comments really on this one. Uh, MLR will be posting all matches on YouTube by the middle of the week. So either Tuesday or Wednesday of every week, you will get at least for this season matches on delay internationally. So that's for- Forget about Tuesday and Wednesday. They just posted a, a game today, actually. You're kidding me. Really? Nah, Who? Yeah, I have. Nah, I'm kidding you. There's oh, no you dick. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. I thought I was going to have a good rest of the night. I was going to, like, go nah. on. <laughs> That's poppycock. So, nah, nah, um, MLR jerseys advertise in UK, in the United Kingdom's The Rugby Paper by Pro Rugby Direct. Front page, Sunday morning, massive ad. Pretty yeah. dope. Got that's right there in the bottom. Yeah, that is awesome. I agree. The only thing that sucks, though, is I don't know. Like, I mean, like, you guys all have uh, MLR merchandise. The shipping from the MLR website is really, really expensive. Really? I mean, I mean, at, at least at least up to Vermont. Like, I wanted to, like, order the hat, and the shipping cost was, like, $10. Maybe it's oh, coming from the X-Blades factory. Yeah, yeah, in Australia. <laughs> I was just saying, it's probably, it's, it's probably customs. So, questions from Bob. We cut it short last week, but uh, we Bab. got some time today. What'd you say, Liam? Qu- questions from Bab. Bab. I, 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 don't, I don't know. You're, yeah. you're from <laughs> Iowa. Hold on, hold on, I, wait. I'm not a sheep. I, yeah. <laughs> wait, do, do we need to switch it to questions from pigeons? <laughs> 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 Cool, cool. Uh, Tune in next week for Animal Sounds Radio. Coming from Boston, I have a lot of negative opinions of pigeons. God, just well, me hey, New Yorker. hey, man, if the gun laws were decent, you could shoot them. <laughs> hey, I, I live in Vermont, man. That, that is the holy land of gun laws. So... All right. If you want to know why we're talking about pigeons, uh, just go to twitter.com slash earful of dirt, and uh, there may be a, a visual representation of this discussion. So. <laughs> it's also up on the Reddit, uh, up on uh, RMLR Rugby. Yep, absolutely. All right, questions from Bob. So, first up, we got LL Rugby 1. What city that's not mentioned on the short list? Uh, for expansion, would you see MLR going into? Um, Atlanta. So, so the short list was DC, Boston, Chicago, Kansas City. I think was the short list for Dallas, Ontario. Um, well, Dal- Dallas and Ontario are essentially can remove Dallas from my mouth because that is coming up. Um, Ontario, I think, is a go, but I think the issue with Ontario is uh, the lead. The league seems to want both Ontario and Vancouver. They want two Canadian teams at the same time. So, I mean, if Vancouver's good, if they're both good, get them both in and we're good to go. 
and then we can have as many Canadians in the United States and as many Americans in Canada because there will be like no cross border limit. So it'll be cool. That's right. So that short, uh, so, beyond the short list then. So what tips uh, these? So I think Phoenix because I live here, but because of the support structures around, uh, the area when it comes to feeding players, uh, Salty Thompson, the the wizard that runs EIRA, is from Tempe. He, you know, um, was the high school American coach for a long time. I don't know if he'll be asked back because I think they're wanting to do it on a volunteer basis uh, next year. Uh, and you know, you've got a great academy coach right there, and then you've got three D one A programs in off I-10, and two of them are very, very good uh, in Arizona and GCU. So you've got fertile recruiting ground when it comes to the product that they build here in Arizona when it comes to high school kids. So you look at Dylan Owdsley, Brett Thompson came from Arizona rugby. And they, they could share for the first couple of years, they could share with the Phoenix Rising. Yeah, I mean the pop-up stadium's right there. Good to go. Um, it'll be it'll be pretty dope. Yeah, but I, I agree with um with Josh and when it comes to Atlanta, definitely agree with that one. Oh, another, another one that we can't really forget about though is from Pro Rugby is Obets Ohio, especially when you can. Well, well, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Maybe maybe not Obets Ohio, you know, specifically. However, you have to consider that Youngstown has a pretty decent ru- ru- rugby program, and out there in the Ohio River Valley, they actually do li- like the rugby a decent amount. I think you know you might want to have something that appeals to that Midwestern market out there that might so you know, bring 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 that region into the uh, so fold. If we, so we go into I guess Boston showing me. The Ohio area. Um, Which has a lot of clubs, by the way. Indiana. Indiana somewhere. Um, or Believe Land. <laughs> Cleveland. Cleveland. I, believe it or not, I actually have a Brian Hoyer jersey in my in my bedroom from when he was on Cleveland competing with Johnny Manziel. Don't so. it's, it's where, 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 Where's Lance Stevenson with the blowing and the bronze ear gift when he needed it? I think we got nothing for that one, Josh. Sorry, man. Yeah. Oh, All right. Crickets. So, all right. Next question. Next question. Samo3 wants to know, are Dallas Griffins in for next year? Yes, it's done. Um, yeah. There's, there's uh, I mean, I've had it from my sources, and then, you know, uh, Pete Steinberg said it on the air. So uh, I'm pretty sure that makes it, it, makes it a done deal. Anybody else got anything on that one? No, I think it's kind of like Aaron said. It's a pretty done deal. You know, we know that you know we we know that there was going to be ten, uh, you know, at least or at the very least ten teams in twenty nineteen, and now we kind of know two of them. So it's all down to whether Ontario is that tenth, or you know, even Vancouver or uh, or Boston. All right. Uh, last question of the night comes from Bree Guy twenty eight. Are we going to see an international uh, any international matches after the regular season? So I don't. I, I'm guessing this is would be a team traveling international or welcoming an international match here. 
I'm not sure. Uh, we'll I could see I could see the SaberCats doing that, you know, especially considering they were, you know, they they hosted the uh, the the uh, you know o, the OMBAC uh, Ravens. They hosted Uruguay, um, you know, and uh, as the, well they, they, the they had the Old Mission Beach Athletic Club Ravens. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> UBC Old Boys. You, yeah, UBC Old Boys. Yeah, UBC old boys or whatever, man. Uh, but we also know Fitzpatrick is an Ulster guy. We, there's a couple other Ulster guys on the Sabercats. So, yeah, I, I, I can totally see the Sabercats being a team that could tra- travel over to the motherland and play so, a game there. Kennedy has talked a lot about Ireland. He's also talked about France. Uh, the Dean Howes and Nick Benson met with uh, LNR officials uh, back in January. So we might see a match between MLR and Pro D2. I don't know. My biggest thing was uh, offseason. Hey, send, them, send them to Italy so they might actually win a game. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, remember when I brought up Mexico and you were like, that's not going to happen? What? Like a team? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. like playing the Mexican national team. <laughs> well, I think mm-hmm. the Mexican national team would get run into the ground. Uh, Grant says he's working on Houston and Austin. Nice, nice. That would be dope, actually. So you say? So so what you're saying, Josh, is that Austin and Houston may play the Mexican national team. That's what Grant says. Okay. I just you know last year uh, the USA South Panthers won the Rand Championships, right? Mm-hmm. They beat they beat a team that is now in the America's Rugby Challenge, which is Guyana. I think. Um, well, they beat Guyana too. So Guyana and Guyana. Mexi- Guyana. Depends on where you're from. Right? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> My Guyanese friends say Guyana. Well, so. Guyan, Guyan Frances, mis hermanos. Ah, uh, okay. So, like, so, I mean, it depends on like your accent. So Guyana. Oh, okay. oh your language. Okay, okay so <laughs> Guyana. USA South Panthers beat Guyana and Mexico last year in the Rand Championships. So mm-hmm. I guess the question would be is, are the Sabercats better than USA South? And the answer is yes. So then think about what that scoreline is going to be like. Just saying. Seriously. I can't right. wait for one of those guys from the Mexican national team to make it to MLR. They have to hey, one, of them, one of them plays in Boston. Yeah, um, damn it. Um, Marcos Fleckman, the, the, the Mexican and Jewish guy. That's the only reason why I know him, Mexican and Jewish. There's actually right. been, um, I, I can't remember where the story was recently, but uh, maybe up on our thread, we were up on our Reddit, we were talking about the number of uh, tier three nations that have been sending players up to MLR and how, you know, as a tier two nation, we send uh, players up to tier one. As a tier three nations, they're sending up to tier two, and so it is an interesting pathway. And I think it's fantastic just for growing the game international, internationally and domestically to have that pipeline going. So, yeah, good on MLR for being welcoming to those players. I'm All back. Right. I'm going to get out. Let's, let's get out of here since Victor is. Um, so, <laughs> subscribe to the channel, YouTube, Earful of Dirt podcast. Like us on Facebook at Earful of Dirt. Same on Twitter and Instagram. Check out our – it's not our brand new website now, but check out our website, earfulofdirt.com. Podcasts, iTunes, Acast, Google Play, 
Stitcher, Player FM, leave us a review. Five stars, your name gets out there, and you get some type of merch. Call us, leave a message, 720-600-2679. You can join our live broadcast, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Adios. See ya. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us. 